Welcome to everybody. Really, really glad you're here, especially on this weekend, Juneteenth, big weekend. Um, and you saw uh, the video earlier. Let me encourage you to watch the whole thing. It's really good. And then Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. You're amazing. And so thanks for being who you are. So big weekend. Also the third weekend of the UR series. So people all over the country celebrate. Okay, maybe not. But um, still, uh, as we're in this series called UR, um, we, uh, we were looking at these four things that God says about those of us who are Jesus followers. And if you choose to be a Jesus follower, this is part of what you'd be choosing. But four things that, that at first, when you first hear it, you're like, I don't think that sounds like me, but that's what he calls you. First week, we talked about saint. Uh, last week, we talked about priest. And today is friend, friend of God. And what does it mean that God wants to relate to you and me that way, which Brings me to the song we just heard by Depeche Mode, um, you know, personal Jesus, your own personal Jesus. And um, when I, I'm a, I went to high school and college in the 80s, like 81 to 89. That, those were those years. And so I remember when that song came out. And, and I know it may be a little bit uncomfortable, you know, thinking about, okay, your own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, someone who cares. And it feels kind of cynical, like it's making fun of things and and uh, like Jesus is your own little butler or something like that. will do whatever you want. Or, and, and I always assumed that's what the song was, was kind of a cynical, make fun of what Christians say when they say personal relationship with Jesus. And they take that to your own personal Jesus. But uh, in all these years, I've thought that. And then I, I read an interview by the guy who wrote it, the lead singer of Depeche Mode, who wrote the song. And it actually wasn't cynical or negative at all, which is interesting. So he... He's not a Christian, but he read a book by Priscilla Presley called Elvis and Me, an autobiography. And in there, she talks about this concept of a personal relationship with Jesus and how Elvis was like, was, was one way that Jesus expressed his love for her. That, that just like we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, we'll say that, that Elvis was like Jesus to her in the way that he cared for her. And he never thought about that. And so he's like, that's, that's an incredible thought that, one, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus and that you could be Jesus for someone else and that you could have that in your life. And, and so he wrote the song. That's what gave birth to it, which is an interesting backstory. But even with that backstory, it's still a little bit uncomfortable, like your own personal Jesus. Like he's there to do whatever you want. And, you know, is that really what's going on? Even as we talk about what it means to be a friend of Jesus, because we'll be in a passage today where he will call you and me as his followers a friend or to make it. Even more uncomfortable. You may remember, it was about 1999, 2000, the Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts became a fad, became a thing. In fact, here's Britney Spears with, uh, with hers on, um, I think. There we go. There's Britney. Um, but all these, all these celebrities started doing that. Ashton Kutcher, Brad Pitt, Pamela Lee Anderson. Anyway, I have a whole list of people. And all these, you know, you can Google them and see them in their shirts. And when they did that, because they were celebrities, you know, everybody, you know, they sold millions of these T-shirts. Jesus is my homeboy. And that one, too, the backstory is actually really kind of a cool backstory. But nobody was doing it because of the backstory. Just for some reason, they thought that was a cool thought and decided to do it. And then a bunch of other people it became a fad for just a short time. And when we talk about Jesus's friend, is that what he's saying? Jesus is my homeboy. Well, it probably depends on what homeboy means and what you mean by that. Um, because when we talk about Jesus as friend or Jesus is my homeboy or whatever, it's not that 
When, when God, I mean, Jesus says God, right? God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. And so Jesus is God. So when Jesus calls us friend, when God calls you and me a friend, it's, it's not that he's our buddy or that like he's our wingman, you know, somebody who's there to kind of tell you all your bad ideas are awesome, you know, that kind of friend. He's not, that's not who he is. He's God. He's on the throne of the universe. Like he's God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. He's worthy of all honor, all glory, all respect, all obedience, right? He's God. But the relationship that he wants to have with you and me includes being a friend. And I think a, a really good analogy to help understand that is what we're celebrating this weekend with Father's Day. And I'll just say it one more time. Happy Father's Day, dads. In fact, for those of you who are dads and you're here this weekend, uh, good job. <laughs> Because you're making a really strong statement to your family and to your kids about what's important to you. And because on Father's Day weekend, you can kind of, you get a jail out of free, get out of jail free card. You can do whatever you want. And I know some of you are thinking, what? I could have done whatever I wanted. <laughs> but stay here. Like, you're, you're did good. And uh, because uh, it really is, it does make a, a statement. It's, and, um, but a good father, right, is, is a good illustration of that. Because as a, as a father, even where authority figure in our kids' lives, especially as the kids get older... We want the friendship part of that relationship to grow, to be a friend. Like, like my dad, um, he's in heaven now, but, you know, growing up and then as I became a young adult. And, I mean, my dad was always an authority figure in my life and then became an adult. And he maybe wasn't the same kind of authority figure, but certainly someone I respected, somebody who I honored, somebody that I, you know, all that, right? But as the older I got, the closer of a friend he became. So much so that when, we, when Christy and I got married, he was the best man in our wedding, not out of some token thing to make my dad feel good. He really was my best man. He was my closest friend, my best friend. I, uh, I could talk to him about anything. He was with me and for me in life in a way that nobody else really was. And, and, uh, and, and I'm thankful for that kind of relationship. And I think that helps, right? Because when we're talking about friendship with God, he is an authority to obey. He is a God to honor and to respect, but he also calls you and me friend and wants that kind of relationship. And so today we're going to talk about, well, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to be a friend of God and to be able to live in to that kind of relationship and enjoy that kind of relationship? And if you feel like you're alone in life, today is going to be a big encouragement this Father's Day weekend because you have a really good father who also wants to be your friend. So we're going to see that. I could have gone so many places in the, in the Bible to talk about this. But we're just going to stick to one in John chapter 15. And John 15 is in a passage, I think it's John 13, maybe to John 16 or something like that, where uh, it's, it's this very, it's all these chapters devoted to one conversation Jesus has with his disciples, with his original followers, the 12 disciples. This is on a, a big night because it's like we call it the Last Supper because after this dinner, they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He'll be arrested there. The next day, he'll die on the cross for the sins of the world. Three days after that, raised from the, be raised from the dead. So there's a lot going on that night that he wants to communicate. And the main thing he wants to communicate, kind of the big flashing highlight, the big idea that he wanted to make sure they got is what he calls the new command. And he says, look, this is how people will know that you're my disciples. This is it. Like, this is the Christian brand, what you and I as Christians should be known for in culture. And, and, it, and he talks about it a lot over and over again in this talk. And, it, and it's the new command is to love people the way 
Jesus love people. The way you've seen me love, that's the way you should love people. That's the way you should love each other. And that's how people will know. That should be the first thing people think of in our culture who don't know Jesus when they think of Christians is, wow, those people love like crazy. Why do they do that? That's not where we're at right now, but that's where we should be. Okay, that, So that's the Christian brand. Well, he returns to it in the passage we're going to look at to, talk, to make sure they really get it, the new command. But he also talks about a new relationship that he wants to have with them and 2,000 years later, anybody who's a follower of Jesus. And so in John 15, uh, we'll kind of dive into the conversation, verse 12. He says to them, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything that the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love one another. So as we look at this, what Jesus is doing is only giving the new command, love one another, and you hear his compassion. He keeps coming back to it, keeps coming back to it throughout this whole evening. But also this new relationship. That's why he says, no longer do I call you servants or slaves. Now I call you friends. No longer now. This is new. A new kind of relationship with God that Jesus came to bring. As we've seen in saint, as we've seen in priest, we also see in friend. That you and I are now invited to be friends of God. I no longer call you slaves. Now you are my friends. But again, what does that really mean? And what does that look like in this new relationship? And we're going to go back through the passage to understand it. But the big idea is this. is God, is a, God as a friend, is with you and for you in life beyond your wildest imagination. Now first we're going to talk about the with you part. It means God is with you and for you beyond your wildest imagination... Well, what about the with you part? What does it mean that God wants to be with you and is with you? Now, some of you are super connected people. Like you're just so naturally connecting as a personality. Like you're, you don't even have to go look for friendships. People look for you because you're magnetic and people just go, you know, right to you. You've never struggled to fit into a group. You just fit in wherever you go. You've always been one of the cool kids. In any group, you know, whether it's work or your golf club or your school or whatever, you're just one of the cool kids. In fact, you define cool. Like, you don't even try to be cool. Whatever you do, that's just what cool is. So if you, if you start wearing your sunglasses upside down, everybody starts doing it. If you start wearing a Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt, everybody starts wearing it, right? You just, whatever it is, that's who you are. And, and that's good. Good for you. That's awesome. But the rest of us, it's not that easy. For the rest of us, we can relate to, at times... Maybe all the time, but certainly sometimes having trouble fitting in. Having, having trouble sometimes finding our place. Feeling on the outside looking in, but not really on the inside. Or even if you're popular, you realize that maybe not have the kind of depth of friendship and depth of relationship that our soul craves. And so when Jesus is pulling us into a friend, he's really, what he's saying is, hey, I don't call you slaves anymore, I call you friends. Because I, I, I'm disclosing this stuff. I'm letting you in. I'm disclosing things to you. What he's saying is, I want you to be an insider. I don't want you on the outside looking in. I, I'm pulling you in on the inside. I want you to be part of my crew, part of my team. And I'm going to read the passage again, and I want you to listen for what that means. Like, what does it mean to be pulled in, to be on the inside? 
And let me just read it one more time. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You just say, do what I'd say. Now you're my friend since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command. Love each other. There's a lot there. That Jesus has, what he's saying to you and me who are his followers is, for one thing, I've chosen you. Like, like you may be on the outside wanting to be in, and he's saying, you're already chosen. Like, I've chosen you. It's not you looking to try to get it. I've chosen you. I've said, hey, you, come on in. Come be part of this. Um, Which takes me back, you know, being chosen to being on the playground or being on a basketball court as a kid where people are, you know, kids are choosing teams. It's always so stressful. Because you never wanted to be picked last. I mean, it's okay not to be picked first, but you just didn't want to be picked last. You know, when it gets down to it, they're choosing and they get last, you know, they get to the last couple of people and they, they don't even choose. They're like, oh, whatever, you choose him, you take him and I'll take. And you're like, okay, you know, just kind of go back and it's always a bummer. But it, it reminds me of that, that commercial. It's one of my favorite commercials out right now with Charles Barkley and the little kids on the playground, little nine-year-olds. And, uh, and you know, he's like way taller. And the girl chooses him, and he's like, he looks at the kid next to him. He says, I told you she picked me first. I still got it. You know, and I, I would love to play it, but this is the service we show. This, I'm Friday night. This is the service we show online. And if I do that, Facebook takes us down. YouTube takes us down. Uh, but you can, it's a Capital One commercial. Uh, go, you can go watch it later. But it just, it is great to be chosen. And you and I are chosen. And, and that informs what it means when I say with you, because it is true. We'll talk about this, and other passages talk about this. That, that as you are in life and as you go through what you go through, Jesus is with you as a friend. He is with you in what you go through. But really what he's talking about here in John 15 is even better than that. It's not just he's with you, you do your thing, and he's kind of generally with you. What he's saying is, I want you to be with me. Like, I, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm choosing you to be part of the crew, to be part of the team. That's why he says, I choose you to bear fruit. Like, I, I, I'm choosing you as we're making a difference in this world, reconciling people who don't know God to relationship with God. I'm going to use you to do that, to restore all that's broken in this world and to bring life and hope and everything we're called to bring into dark light into dark places. I, I want to use you to do it. We're chosen to do that. That's why he says that he says, you are my friends if you do what I command, which when you first hear that, it's like, well, he just ruined it. Like, it sounds like a bossy person. Like, you know, I bet you have somebody bossy in your life. Somebody just look at me uh, right now. But you probably do, right, in your family or in your life or a friend or a family member. And, and they kind of relate like that. It's like, hey, as long as you do what I tell you to do, the way I tell you to do it, we're good. But if not, they get all fussy and passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive and all that kind of stuff, right? And you're like walking on eggshells. That's not what this is. When he says, you're my friends if you do what I command, here's what he's saying. He's already said the command, the verse just before it. What what was the command? Love one another the way I've loved you. What he's saying is this. if, if I'm choosing you to be part of this, but here's what you're part of if you're coming to my team. This is a team devoted to radical love. And if you come in, if you want to be my friend, if you want to be part of the group, you're chosen, you're in, I, I want you to be in the crew. But this is what this team is about. This is what I'm about. This is what my crew is about. 
It's all about loving people in a radical way. And that's how we roll. And that's what we do. And you and I are invited to be right in the middle of what God is doing in this world. Which is the coolest thing ever. We're not on the outside looking in. He's saying, come on in. I want to use you. I want to, let's do this together. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody famous, you know, out somewhere. But a lot of times they always have like a crew of people with them. Like an entourage, you know, people with them. And sometimes it's family members. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's security or whoever. You don't even know who they are. Groupies or whatever. And, uh, and so I, for some reason, the last two weeks I've talked about Disney World, which is weird. Two weeks in a row, and here's three weeks in a row. I don't, and some people, I mean, we even had somebody reach out and say, are you, like, affiliated? Or are you? I mean, seriously, somebody asked that this week in an email, but no, we're not. But it just, I guess it made me think about it. So, um, here, it, it, I, we're, I, we're at Disney World. And my <clears throat> kids were, um, let's say Caleb was probably like two and a half, three years old. Um, maybe just barely three. And we're, it's late at night, time for Caleb, past time for Caleb to go to bed. You know, he's exhausted. We have cousins, my brother, my you know, parent, all these people, you know, with us, right? And we're in the Star Wars ride. We come out of the Star Wars ride. Of course, they make you go through the gift shop to get outside. And in the gift shop, we turn the corner, and there is one of my celebrity signings. I mentioned this a few years ago. And I know you remember everything I say, so. And, uh. But my brother, I just hear my brother, because he saw him before I did, just say, you're Steve Tyler. And it was Steven Tyler, the lead singer of Aerosmith. Now, he really is a cool guy. He, uh, he had these um, orange, like, basketball shoes that were made out of basketball material. And he had orange sunglasses that matched perfectly. And, of course, he had all his scarves and all this stuff. Right? He's, just, he's a little guy, but he's really, look, he does look cool. And he was, you know, we talked to him barely. And he, he, he acknowledged us at least, right? But he had his little entourage with us. Some of, he had his kids. He had his, some of his family. He had some, you know, other people. I don't know who they were with him. I'm, I'm sure some friends, security, whatever. Probably about ten people. So they start to leave. It's time for me to take Caleb back. He's two and a half, three. And so I, you know, tell Christy, my wife, hey, look, you, you, you go with everybody else. I'll take Caleb back to the hotel and, but I really wanted to follow Steve Tyler and his crew. And so that's what I did. So they're leaving, right? And they're going. And I wanted to be so stealthy so I could really follow them and see where they go. And Caleb was not helping me be stealthy because he was upset leaving his cousins. So he was screaming bloody murder. He's like, I don't want you. I don't want you. I want my mom. Take me to my mom. I don't want you. I don't want you. He's screaming as loud as he can. You know what I'm saying? Caleb, shh. Trying to follow Steve Tyler and all that. And so we go. And, and then they duck into a corner, right, which is awkward, right, because I can't just stand there. You know, so I'm walking. And it would have been really cool, right, if Steve and Tyler had said, hey, I don't know who you are, but I'd love to know you. Why don't you just come in, be part of our crew, be part of our group. It's okay. I don't mind screaming, kid. Just come on in. That would have been a, bad, that would have been a great story. Be like, yeah, we hung out, you know, for the rest of the week. And Steve and Tyler and all that we... You know, we still vacation to this day, right? If it to be part of the crew, it had been awesome. But, of course, that didn't happen. The reason he ducked in there is because it's like this weirdo is abducting a child. Let's just let him pass. And so we went on past. But what Jesus has done, who's way cooler than Steve and Tyler, right, is basically said, hey, come on in. Yeah, you got some issues. I get it. You know, whatever. But just it doesn't matter. Just come on in. I'm, I'm choosing you to be part of the crew. You're not on the outside looking in, or you don't have to be. You're, he's, he's saying, come on in. 
And as we engage mission, like in Matthew 28, he says, hey, you know, as you go and make disciples, I will be with you as you go. And, and so we join him and he's with us as we engage what he's calling us to do in the world. As we engage ministry, as we help people know how they can come to know God through Jesus, as we bring love and hope every, you know, wherever God has placed us and serve. And God is with us. We're on the crew, like you're included. We'll come back around to that. But that's the with you part. But he's also for you in a way that is beyond our ability to really understand, that God is not against you. He is for you in the best sense of that. So what does that mean? Well, let's look at the passage again. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. That the kind of love Jesus is talking about is laying one's life down for other people. He's about to do that. I mean, later that night, right, he's going to be arrested. The next day, he's going to literally lay down his life for his friends on the cross, die on the cross for the sins of the world. John, who wrote John, it also wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John later. And as he's writing to these churches in Asia Minor, and he's reflecting back on what Jesus said. And in 1 John 3.16, it says, this is, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He's just reflecting back to that evening, and he's saying, this is what love is. It's laying down your life for other people the same way Jesus did for us. That's love. You'd lay down your life. So when you and I think about what love is and loving people, biblically, the opposite of love is not hate. I mean, hate is not part of love, but the opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of love is, is self-focus. And what love chooses to do is lay down one's life for the other. It's to say, I'm going to set self aside. That it's not about my preferences. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my desire to be heard, my desire to be honored, my desire to get my way. I'm going to set aside all of that for the sake of others. I'm going to set aside self. I'm going to die. To, it's, this is not a very American thought because we're a very self-oriented place. To say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to set aside self for the sake of others. We're going to lay down our life for the sake of others. That's what love is. That's what love does and what we're called to do in the way Jesus loves us and the way we're to love each other. Let me give you a picture of that or a story about that in our church that's happening right now. So many of you know that Jack Warren, who is on our, he's one of our pastors. He's our executive pastor, which means he leads our staff and serves with me on the executive team and uh, along with Glenn Breckner. And, um, and he's an amazing leader, amazing guy. And he and Susie, his wife, are going through a really tough time right now. We need to be praying for them. So Susie has multiple myeloma cancer. And she's in a, a very severe treatment now. They did a stem cell reboot, uh, which reboots your immune system. And she's getting stronger. She's getting better. But it's a brutal thing to go through. And it essentially shuts down your immune system. Now, um, I've known Susie since I was 18. Uh, back in Alabama. I, I knew Susie uh, a little bit before I knew Jack and before they started dating and that kind of stuff. And uh, I've known Jack since I was 18 too. But, um, and then he came, that's how I came. I, I came here to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. So I came to Dallas from Alabama. He had already come out here, was in seminary, come on staff at this church doing youth ministry. When I came out, he said, hey, let's do youth ministry together because we've done it back in Alabama. And yeah, let's do it. So we're tight. Right? And, and I hate seeing them suffer and go through what they're going through, but I know God is with them and all that, right? But 
Uh, but going through this process and the stem cell reboot, basically it shuts down your immune system and then starts over. So it's a very dangerous thing and a very difficult thing because her body can't handle any kind of bacteria, virus, whatever, right? She has no immune system. So to care for her, you have to be in the quarantine kind of bubble, right? You have to totally 100% quarantine. So Jack's there. He's her husband, and he's the kind of guy that would be there anyway, but he's, he's there. But she has another friend, another Chase Oaker named Christy, Christy Dixon, who is like, man, I don't want it to. I want to be in it with you. Like, I, I don't want you to be in that quarantine all by yourself or just with Jack, and it's going to be exhausting for him, too. I want, to, I want to be there. So what that meant was for about a month, she and her family, her husband and their kids all had to be in 100% quarantine for her to do that. They literally laid down their life for a month, set aside everything so that she could be in it with her and for her in the middle of that, which is an amazing. I mean, if Susie ever had to wonder if she's got a good friend, she doesn't have to wonder, right? That, that's what a good friend does. It's like um, John Townsend is a guy that is a psychologist and Bible teacher, and he spoke here uh, about a year and a half ago or something, you may remember. And the way I like the way he says it. He says that he says a really good friend, when you're in a pit, and you're it's just ugly and terrible and dark and awful and disgusting. You're just in this terrible time. You're in this pit. A, a lot of people will look down at you from the top and say, hey, you doing okay? Praying for you. Hope you get out of that. But a really good friend will get down in the pit with you. Will get down in the mud with you. Will get down in the darkness with you. And what I would add to that is that when you get down there, a good friend will help you realize it's not actually a pit. It's actually a tunnel. There's a way out. You just can't see the light yet. And they'll walk with you through it and help you get through what you're going through. Well, that's the kind of friend that Jesus is for you. He wants to be. With whatever you're going through right now. You don't have to be on your own. You can invite him into that process with you. In fact, he's already there. And just say, God, I want to find your hand in the middle of this. I want to grab onto you because I need you as a friend to help me get through what I'm going through. Because he is that kind of friend. You are not on your own. Whether you have a Christy Dixon or not. He wants to be that kind of friend. And we have the opportunity to be that kind of friend for each other. So let's kind of put this together a little bit. God as a friend is with you and for you in life beyond your wildest imagination. That's why Paul in Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, you know, it's good to have friends in high places. It's good to have the right kind of friend. Well, if you know Jesus, you do have the right kind of friend. And he is, is by his nature, he is completely unselfish. That's God's nature. He's love. He has your best interest at heart. When you and I come to him in our brokenness and our pain, he doesn't go, oh, goodness, you again? Good grief. Everything in his being is for you. And he invites you and me to join him in what he's up to and what he's doing. In fact, that's what church is. Church is this movement of radical love on this planet, helping people be reconciled to God and and being his restorers and redeemers in a broken world. And together, you know what we are together? We're family, but we're also friends who have a friend in common, and his name is Jesus. And as we serve Jesus together, we find friends, human friends, that we can do life with and we can serve with. 
You know how, you know how Susie found Christy and Christy found Susie? Um, we all served together in youth ministry years ago as young adults. And as we served together in young adults, we all became best friends. Because that's what happens when you serve God together and you're involved. It's, it's just, and that's why if you're not engaged, it's another reason to get engaged, to be part of what Jesus is doing. But what you'll find is that, that when you join a team and you're with a team of people who are serving, it just develops a kind of friendship that doesn't develop any other way. And that's, that's why our church, every ministry we have is built around teams. We don't have one ministry, one anything, it's built around an individual. This church is not led by an individual. Like, if you think it's led by me, it's not. I have a leadership role in this church, but I'm on a team. We're led by a team. God models that. You know, God is a team. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is Trinity. He is three in one. He is a team, a ministry team. And every ministry we have is led by a team. And that's on purpose. One, because it's biblical. But two, because we get none of us have all the gifts and abilities we need. None of us can sustain things without the encouragement of other people. We'll get tired. We'll get weary. We'll get off track. We'll get sinful. We'll get stupid. We'll get arrogant, whatever. We need each other just to help each other stay on track. And let me encourage you to dive into what God's doing. You don't have to be on the outside looking in. He invites you to be right in the middle of it around Chase Oaks and the community, wherever God has you. Let me encourage you to dive in. And for some of you, we're about to pray. It'll be an opportunity to talk to God as friend. For some of you, this may be kind of a new thought, new concept, like the guy who wrote, the Depeche Mode guy that wrote, you know, he, somehow personal Jesus, I mean, a personal relationship with Jesus in his head became personal Jesus. But you think, that's crazy thought. Like, that's just a really crazy thought, that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. That you can have a friendship with Jesus. Because it is a crazy thought. But that's the craziness of God's love for you and me. And if you... You know, you may be at a place where you're like, yeah, I've never thought about it that way either. And let me just encourage you as we pray, maybe where you're at is just to be open to the concept that, okay, God, if you're a personal God, not just some kind of force in the world, but if you're a real person and you actually want a relationship with me, a friendship with me, just help me be open to that. Pull me toward you. And I'm confident he'll answer that. So let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, thank you that you are our Father and you are good and glorious and exalted, worthy of our obedience, worthy of our respect. And you choose a relationship with us that you call friend. Just like you called Abraham in the Old Testament, friend of God, Moses in the Old Testament, friend of God. Now in Jesus, we're all invited into a friendship with you. And so, Father, would you help us to be with you? Even as you're with us and all that we go through, God, help us jump into what you're doing and be part of what you're doing. And help us also remember that you are for us. You're not against us. You're for us. To be open to your presence, your comfort, your strength and what we're going through. We thank you that you promised to never leave us, never forsake us. Because you're a faithful friend. And Father, for people right now who maybe don't know you yet, Father, I pray you'd give them just courage. Get, just pull them toward yourself right now. Have, let them have the sense of your presence in their own heart and life. And the boldness to say, okay, God, if you're, if you're real, if you're a person, and you want a relationship with me, God, would you 
began to work in my heart, began to work in my life, pull me toward you. I, I'm at least open to that possibility. So, Father, once again, we thank you as our friend. In Jesus' name, amen.